0: How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track, from managing your motivation, workload, and relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcast platform, or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips.
1: The plan for the 2020 season is taking shape, but where will the Blue Jays play and how might that impact their players' stats? Like death and taxes, Dodgers has been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not true. had the 3 go throughs yet. It
0: works great, great in a fantasy I'm just glad yeah. I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic.
1: Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, May 11th. I'm Al Melgear, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper. I hope everybody had a good Mother's Day. And DVR, uh, this could be something of an eventful week in Major League Baseball. Uh, we've been getting, of course, pretty much daily updates about what plans uh, there are, are maybe going to be put out there in terms of a schedule, how many games, where are games going to be. Uh, played, but there have been a series of reports over the weekend that are really honing in even more sharply on a uh, possible plan coming very soon, one of which uh, came from the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal, and according to uh, that report... Uh, Owners may have a plan to present to the Players Association as soon as Tuesday. There's going to be a a conference call between MLB and the owners uh, on Monday. So if uh, something emerges from that, there could be a presentation to the Players Union uh, as soon as Tuesday. And the preferred particulars are... You know, pretty much in line with the things that we've been talking about for weeks now a, a, a schedule of roughly 80 games, expanded rosters, uh, upwards of maybe uh, 50 players, an expanded playoff format, teams uh, playing other teams in their regional area. Uh, but something that's come out that's uh, a bit newer DVR is that uh, players may be asked to take a pay cut, particularly if uh, fans aren't allowed, which is what, uh, you know, what I think we're looking at here. And there was a piece in NBCSports.com from Craig Calcaterra about uh, players, you know, possibly, and I'm I'm quoting uh, Craig Calcaterra here, players going to war, basically, with the owners uh, over this. So uh, do you have any particular, you know, feel on this in terms of, uh, you know, whether it makes you, you know, much less uh, optimistic about a season. It's like a big
0: storm cloud rolling in, right? Just as we think that there's a potential light at the end of the tunnel, we think back to when things were first shutting down. I think the players and owners had come up with some sort of preliminary agreement. My understanding is that it was a handshake agreement, which is why the idea of going back to the table is even a possibility at this point. Uh, this This is just frustrating because it's a situation where you have billionaires fighting with millionaires and we as fans of this game are left to just sit back and hope that they can work out their differences. And uh, it always to me seems like the owners are being selfish. Uh, I think at the time that things stopped, did we really believe that fans were going to be in attendance when the season started again? I certainly didn't. I can't imagine that all 30 owners at that time were sitting there believing that stadiums would be packed full of fans when baseball came back in 2020. So I could definitely understand the players' perspective, their frustration. And I hope that we get some unexpected good news coming out of the meeting on Monday. But as we have come to learn in these sorts of negotiations over the years and with a CBA Renegotiation just around the corner. Things are very strained in that relationship right now. So it would be borderline miraculous to me if we ended up with good news early this week.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it very much the same way, and I know we're you know not alone uh, on that. And you know this is on top of the recent news as well that uh, Major League Baseball is doing a five round draft uh, with a maximum twenty thousand uh, dollar signing for anybody that that isn't drafted, and uh, you know it's it's not been you know look I mean to you know there, there's certainly a lot of bad news uh, you know in in the greater world here. Um, but you know, we look to baseball as something of a distraction, and uh, the news there has been uh, pretty bad of late as well. Um, so you know, like you, yeah, I certainly would hope that, uh, uh, that you know this this can turn around. And then an- another issue on top of all the ones that we've uh, already discussed is uh, the issue affecting the Blue Jays that, uh, as it stands right now, uh, there's not going to be international travel without uh, an extensive quarantine, and. That obviously, you know, puts a crimp in any sort of plan that uh, MLB is going to come up with, because I, I assume they are going to include the Blue Jays in those plans. Uh, I would certainly hope so. And uh, there's a piece from uh, Shea Davidi of Sportsnet where he wrote about options that the Blue Jays could consider, one of which would be that they could play their um, – I'm not talking spring training here. I'm talking about actual major league scheduled games in Dunedin, in Florida. Um and, you know, again, in the, in the scope of everything that's going on, it to me sometimes feels a little silly to be talking about park factors and how players' stats will be affected and fantasy in, in impact and all that. But, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. And how does, how does this strike you, uh, that potential option that the Blue Jays could play uh, in Dunedin uh, in the regular season?
0: It doesn't seem incredibly far-fetched to me, given what we know about the current landscape with Canada and, and the travel between the U S and Canada and uh, how there's a difference in the two countries of how things are being handled. All of that sort of checks out in my head. I think it makes me think, okay, Dunedin in the summer, how is that going to play compared to Dunedin in a typical March? You know, we do have some minor league park factors and because Dunedin is one of those stadiums that is used for a high A affiliate in the Florida state league, We can actually look at those and maybe come up with some semblance of what that run environment is going to look like, which is a much more difficult task if something like the Arizona plan were to come to fruition. So I guess in that regard, I look at it and I hope we're not being fooled by the Florida State League being a difficult place to hit in general. But I imagine I'm a lot more comfortable with Toronto pitching in this scenario where Dunedin is their home for 2020 that I am if Rogers Center is their home for 2020. And that's not to say they don't have pitchers I would roster if they're playing in Toronto this year. But I think my threshold for starts that I would take on with the you know home designation would be very different in this plan.
1: Yeah, I started out in that place DVR, and I you know I thought about the hitters too, um, but I looked at last year's Blue Jays roster, and there was nobody that really was uh, you know that much worse on the road, uh, you know, to the point where it would make a a fantasy impact. So with the the hitters, I, I don't think there's really. Anybody to, to worry about the other thing too in looking a little bit deeper into this is that yeah on the one hand as you mentioned, the Florida State League is typically a pitchers pitchers league, but Dunedin is one of the more hitter friendly parks in that in that circuit so you know maybe there's just not that much of an impact here you know overall but um you know it is something to consider with with the pitchers I, I would agree with that. And uh, there's another piece that came out that made me think of Matt Shoemaker in particular, of, of all the uh, the Blue Jays pitchers. A uh, piece from the Yankees team physician, uh, Dr. Christopher Ahmad. And he wrote a piece on Medium about how he expects that there could be a, a flurry of uh, Tommy John surgeries once the season gets underway, much more so than in a normal year because of the the instant ramp-up of, of innings. And um, he, he thinks that maybe that pitchers that have had elbow problems recently could be at greater risk than they would be otherwise. And uh, now Shoemaker missed time last year with a torn ACL, so he had a knee issue. But he did have forearm, forearm issues the year prior to that somebody who's had injuries, you know, throughout his career. But I think there's some fantasy relevance to this here because there, you got to consider the home park. You got to consider maybe Tommy John risk or some sort of injury risk with Matt Shoemaker. And yet uh, he is the, the, uh the blue Jay starter that behind uh Hyunjin Ryu and a Pearson. He's the one who's actually getting drafted the highest, not so much in 12 team leagues, but pretty much anything a little bit deeper than that. He's, he's been in play.
0: It's pretty interesting because the major injuries have probably hidden what could have been a little bit of a late career breakout, I guess we could say, for Matt Shoemaker. In 2019, the ratios were outstanding in the limited time that he was able to pitch, just the five starts. I think he's one of those guys, he's a lot like his new teammate Chase Anderson, if you use him correctly you can get better than expected results. I mean, for his career, he's got a 381 ERA, a 119 whip, eight strikeouts per nine. He doesn't walk a ton of guys. He has some issues keeping the ball in the park, but he's not an extreme home run rate guy, even if he's a a bit above league average in a typical year. And the last two seasons, even though those have been partial seasons, home runs have not been as much of a problem for Matt Shoemaker as they were in the past. So you could kind of talk yourself into him, as a guy that makes a lot of sense at that stage in the draft. And again, not knowing where exactly Toronto uh, will be playing its home games this year complicates things slightly, but I do see the case for shoemaker. As somebody who you could probably use more often than not in some of those leagues you described mixed leagues with 15 or more teams, I could see him being the kind of pitcher that you would pick up in weekly leagues for 12 teamers for a two start week or uh, maybe a very favorable home matchup, even if it's in Toronto or in Dunedin against the Orioles, for example. I think he's a very viable streaming option for some of those shallow mix leakers where he might not be rostered all season long, top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise or meditation, but not everyone has the time to do it all with hydrant. You can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets. You mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes that your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com, enter the promo code BASEBALL at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com, enter the promo code BASEBALL for 25% off your first order, drinkhydrant.com, and enter promo code BASEBALL.
1: I, I want to flip the conversation towards uh, a situation where maybe you would uh, be counting on Shoemaker to be more than just a streaming option for you, you know, like a 15-team league where... You know, if it's going well for Matt shoemaker, I, I don't think he's going to be somebody who's going to get uh, tossed waivers to waivers to make room for somebody else. But something I hadn't really thought about DVR, uh, maybe you have, but in a normal season, we if you have a player who is particularly unexpectedly good in April, you have to start to think about when are the stats going to stabilize. At what point can you can you pretty reliably say I don't think this is a fluke? In a normal season, that starts to happen around the middle of May. Now, in an, in an eighty game schedule, by the time the stats stabilize, you're probably in the in the second half of your season. So, does that? Change perhaps the way that you would approach a player like Matt Shoemaker who hasn't pitched a lot the last couple of years, you've got limited data to go on, you're gonna have limited data to go on when and if the season starts. And if he gets off to a really good start, how much confidence are you really gonna be able to put in that? Because by the time you can't put a lot of confidence in that statistically, you're you're in the second half of the season.
0: I think it's gonna come down to underlying changes. So for example, in the case of someone like Shoemaker, if he gets off to a good start. And his velocity is up maybe two miles per hour over his previous norms. That would give me a little more confidence that what he's doing is more sustainable. If there's some kind of micro skills growth, uh, maybe a secondary pitch that he's using more frequently, I'm going to be looking for something that is clearly different about the pitcher. In the case of a hitter, it might even be more difficult uh, because I, I don't think you have quite as many things you can tap into at this point. So I think Shoemaker and, and any of those late round draft picks or early season fab pickups, those types of players are going to be extremely difficult to make decisions on in a season where every game probably carries twice as much value as it ordinarily does.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one to call, and even if you get down to those uh, secondary and tertiary stats. You still have the problem of, uh, you know, relatively small samples. And in fact, with those secondary and tertiary stats, a lot of times it, it takes longer for those stats to stabilize. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And I, I'll just have to be honest and say that I'm not really sure how I'm going to deal with it until until I get there. But I think your approach is as sound as anything I could certainly uh, come up with. Uh, another uh, Blue Jays starter who has been intriguing, just outside of everything else that's going on is, is Hunjin Ryu. Do you consider yourself to be pretty much with the consensus on him? Last year, he was a top 10 pitcher, but his ADP is really more of a late round in a, 12 team league uh, sort of a uh, situation. Are, are you pretty much on board with that? Or do you consider yourself higher or lower than the consensus on him? I think
0: I come out pretty close to the consensus on Ryu and, my concern really has never been anything as it pertains to his skill. It's it's the it's the injuries. I mean, if you, yeah. you talk about Matt Shoemaker being a guy that's had some major issues staying healthy, I mean, Hinjin Ryu missed all of 2015, most of 2016, uh, about half of 2018, and a good chunk of 2017. It's, it's a, a terrible injury history for him since coming over Uh, From the KBO, even though when we've seen him over six seasons in North America with the Dodgers, this is a guy that's pitched to a sub three ERA, a 116 whip like Matt Shoemaker, a K rate right around eight per nine. Their skills are actually more similar than anybody would ever think based on ADP and just how good Ryu was uh, over a full season with the Dodgers last year. So I think it all comes to injury risk. And I think the one thing that makes Ryu a little scarier is that, you know, Shoemaker had a torn ACL, which I don't worry about that all that much for a pitcher in the long run. Everything with Ryu has been elbow, shoulder. I think maybe there's even an oblique injury in there in that history, too, if I'm remembering correctly. Like it's all stuff either with the arm or directly connected to the arm. So I think that's where my. Reservations and a lot of people's reservations come with Ryu. Is just that is a ugly injury history, and it's tempting to buy back in coming off of a very healthy season in 2019. But the track record is just not one that you really want to put too much stock into.
1: Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I just uh, think that the gap between a top ten result in 2019 and uh you know being sort of a, a late round uh, dart throw. Um, that's a, that's a pretty big gap. That's a pretty big gap, and and maybe it's just reflecting my lack of enthusiasm for pitchers that are really outside the top twenty five or thirty. That I think once you're through that, I would think Ryu could be pretty fair game. So uh, you know, I'm pretty much giving away here that I'm definitely much uh, more interested in him than than the consensus. But um, yeah, I think part of it too is that the way that he's achieved that success, like you say, if you look at strikeout rate, walk rate, home run rate. Sort of looks like Matt Shoemaker, but he's been really good at stranding runners, which is a skill that, you know, the vast majority of people don't really buy into. And in most cases, I would be on board with that. And he's been really good at limiting exit velocity on flies and liners. Um, So I'm not as worried, I think, maybe as other people are about the move to the AL and the move to uh, whatever home park the Blue Jays have uh, in 2020, uh, you know, whatever that should be. Uh, Let's just do a quick shift here from uh, the Blue Jays to the Mariners because... Uh, A very interesting player, too, that we also don't have any major league uh, data on is uh, Evan White, uh, the the Mariners' first baseman. And uh, David Lorilla from uh, Fangraphs has uh, done a really nice write-up on him over the weekend. In fact, it's part of David's Sunday Notes column. Seattle's Evan White angles up, sort of. Uh, So it's a complicated story worth reading. Uh, DVR, what are your feelings about uh, Evan White going into this year?
0: I'm just worried that even if he's up right away because of the contract extension he already signed, he might be buried in a lineup that doesn't score a ton of runs. So the production initially, especially for a player getting his first exposure to the big leagues, will probably be more like very deep mixed league production rather than someone that you trust as a steady corner in a 12 team mixed league. I think the future is bright. There are reasons to like him in keeper leagues and in dynasty leagues, but I'm hesitant to buy in and expect too much outside of my deeper leagues for 2020.
1: All right, well, uh, read uh, uh, read David's piece and see if you agree with that, or uh, you know, some some interesting information there, uh, if nothing else. So uh, do check that out. And uh, on that note, we're going to wrap things up here for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, there's a couple of ways that you can give it a try. Uh, You can get a 40% discount off a subscription just by going to theathletic.com slash baseball 15 or you can take advantage of a 90-day free trial. Uh, and when you do subscribe, everything that we do from uh, the podcast to fantasy articles to every other arena, that all of that is included as a part of your subscription. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will be back with you on Tuesday.